Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. BGK travels to Salt Lake City tonight to play the LA Kings, and Bruce Cassidy and his staff continue to evaluate for roster spots. Hi again, everyone. I'm Tony Cardasco, along with Chris Golick, and we come to you from Las Vegas five days a week. I am at Tony Dasco on Twitter. He is at TD Chris G, at Lockdown BGK on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to our absolutely new and fantastic, fantastic YouTube channel at Lockdown VGK. So, uh, Chris, I think uh, we should Chris we should Cassidy's- start. Hold on, I'm, I'm cutting you off right away. We should start calling ourselves the only nearly daily podcast for VGK. What do you think? It's got a nice ring well, to it. We'll doesn't get it? into that. In our, we'll get into that in our second segment because there's you got something brewing. Okay, character. Well, this one character with the Silver Knights was questioning daily last night. Fair enough. So Bruce Cassidy says that he might play some of the younger talent uh, as we see BGK uh, winding down in the preseason. The game tonight in Salt Lake City, and they'll take on the LA Kings. And then on Saturday, they go to Boise, Idaho, to play that dirty, nasty team, the Arizona Coyotes. And Cassidy said that some players have separated in a good way, some in a not-so-good way. And so I was just wondering, okay, we know some of the players that have separated themselves in a good way. Do you have any ideas on who might not be ready for his new system? I would say anyone that was sent down. I I wouldn't put too much into the latter portion of that statement as far as players that have separated themselves in a not-so-good way. I think that's maybe um, Cassidy's filter not being on and just maybe a prelude of (laughs) – you know, what might have gotten him into a bit of, I don't want to say trouble because that's not the word to use, but, you know, there are concerns about how he has handled young talent in his recent history in Boston. So, you know, this could be that skeleton peeking out of the closet a little bit, maybe him just simply saying, hey, some of these younger players simply aren't ready yet. I don't think he's making that comment towards any of the 21 or 22 projected players on the opening night roster. I I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock into that, but as far as players that have gone in a good way, I think he is certainly giving kudos. I mean, we'll start with Paul Cotter, obviously, and work our way up from there, of course. But, you know, Cassidy, he's, he's honest and maybe a little too honest for his own good, and we'll see how that plays out throughout the season. Yeah, he said that they're looking for the final pieces. I thought it was interesting, you know, that he talked about the power play unit and he's got 10 players deep. But what do you think about William Carlson playing the bumper? And, you know, when he talked about, you know, that bumper position on the power play, that's the person, that's the guy that has to pretty much establish good position, try to get in the slot, right? And then dish the puck out and get it out on the perimeter and find an open man. You need a high hockey IQ, he said, to do that. So I was just curious, like, uh, is Carlson that player 
on the power play, you know, to, to establish things and more or less play the role of a point guard. Um, yeah, Tony, I, I don't think he's not that player is probably the way I would start that statement. Um, you know, uh, something I've been pretty high on is the fact that Carlson excelled under Gallant, obviously 40 plus goals. And then he maybe came back to reality in the mid twenties, which the, the, the reality is now a farther reality from his past, you know, few seasons under DeBoer, of course. So I think Cassidy is kind of taking on Carlson as maybe his personal project to get him back to his scoring where we need him to be to justify that type of a salary that he commands. So putting Carlson in that spot, saying he does have a high, a high hockey IQ. I'm not against that statement one bit. I mean, we've had our um, on camera and off camera discussions about Carlson and I think he is very smart on the defensive side of the puck. I think he is very well on that 100 feet of the ice. Historically, on the other 100 feet of the ice, he does have a history of scoring goals, whether it's breakaways, just being in front of the net, sniping, whatever may have you. I mean, that last goal he scored the other night against the Coyotes to seal it. Sure, it's late in a preseason game against, you know, probably an AHL defenseman or something like that. But, you know, just that quick backhand to forehand move, getting it past the goalie and that small, small opening. I mean, that, that's a great shot right there. And that's some, that, that's a shot that he had a lot of success with going back to seasons one and two. So, you know, long story longer, I do think Carlson can do well in that role. I like the responsibility that Cassidy is putting on Carlson while keeping him in that line three role, potentially where he's not going to maybe be as worn out, I guess, if you will, not as much pressure to score five on five, if that makes sense. Yeah. And not only do I have to try to keep up with emojis, but I have to try to understand some of the nicknames for players. And so (laughs) ammo, I guess, is Amadio, right? So Carly just won. <laughs> he does call him Carly. My goodness, that's going to gonna wear thin here. It's better than weeks. Wild Bill. It's better than Wild Bill <laughs> okay, from, from so, the coach saying it. So, so Howden and Amadio, um, according to Coach Cassidy, sa- he said that they didn't manage the puck well. And I thought, you know, at times perhaps Carlson or Carly got a little bit frustrated with that line. How long will it take them to be in sync? That's a fair question. And I think um, I think once the probably in a couple hours from now, once the lineup is um, made public for tonight's game, I think that'll tell us where Cassidy believes that line is. I mean, I think the lines are pretty close to set right now as far as what we can expect on the opening night roster. And that third line with uh, Carly, Howden, and Ammo. We'll work on howdy. So howdy, are we going to call Brett Howden? Howdy do. Howdy. Howdy do. Um, so. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's, it's Why does hockey folks. do this? Why does hockey do this? I, I That's one of the things know. that I think is just absolutely corny. And, uh, and what do you think of the line? Okay. So Jonathan Marshall. So was uh, speaking with the press as well, uh, yesterday and Marshall. So is on that line with stone and Stevenson that has potential to be explosive. And how long do you think it is for them to get their timing down? Uh, because Mark Stone, I like what Marshall so said. He said uh, Stone had told him that his timing was was off. And he goes, yeah, he's a veteran. And just the littlest you know, thing that he needs to correct, the smallest thing he needs to correct, he's going to probably amplify. 
And so uh, what about this line with Stoney, with Marchie, and with Stevie? <laughs> there you go, Tony. We're finally getting you to come around. I, I like that line. Um, I originally, I had flopped Riley or Smitty, I guess. I had swapped Smitty and Marchie on that line one. I thought that was a little bit, a little more balance and, and potency for that line one as far as scoring goes. But, I mean, Stone, incredibly smart. He's been in the league for, what, we're pushing a decade now, plus or minus for, for, for Stoney. So he knows what's going on. Stevenson has been an absolute rock star. I, I can't do it anymore. Stevenson has been an absolute rock star since he came to VGK. Everywhere we put him, he excels, and he does best in the center position. He does best alongside of Mark Stone and obviously um, Max Pacioretty last year, you know, when he wasn't injured, of course. So Stevenson is Mark Stone's center. I think that's something that we have to all understand here in Vegas. And then who is going to be in that other spot? I don't know if it matters a whole lot. I mean, Marchie has that, you know, potent scoring touch and, you know, he just puts up numbers year after year after year and knock on this fake wood desk. Hopefully he uh, stays healthy along with uh, the rest of the crew. But I I think the timing will come back on that line. Um, Stevenson's got the speed of that line. You know, Stevenson is the one who's going to create the opportunities. March is is the finisher and Mark Stone is the smart one, I guess. Mark Stone's job is to, help everybody else on the ice. And also he is yeah. the 200-foot the talent of that line to help get back on defense when needed. Repetitions. Who needs outside of Aiden Hill? Who else needs the reps the most? Probably Stone, right? Needs to get back in sync. But anyone else come to mind? McNabb? Yeah, that's a good just, one. A, just, you know... Uh, McNabb just hasn't looked, and again, now McNabb is in that veteran status and stuff like that, and something I've now, this is probably the fourth time I've said it, training camp preseason games is going through the motions for most of these players, whether it's to get their feet back, whether it's to work on their timing. You're not going to see 100% effort every shift. You might not even see 75% effort every shift out of some of these guys because they don't need to, and I don't think Cassidy wants them to, Either he want you know go, going back to the game that I was at this past uh, Friday night against the Sharks that seven to three shellacking, there were flashes from the top six because we had our our top two lines playing that game pretty much. There were flashes when those lines wanted to control, especially the Eichel line. They absolutely dominated puck possession the entire time. So I do think once the regular season does come around, everything does go to a new level. Um, but yeah, McNabb, as far as timing goes, whoever's going to wind up getting that sixth defenseman spot, because I think it's getting pretty close to the fact that that Haig is not going to be here for the start of the season. He's a priority. He's a priority to sign. He's our number one priority. Yeah, but you look at the numbers that VGK has. I, I see reports out there, you know, depending on how you pencil everything right now, there's anywhere from like $1.5 to $3 million in cap space right now. So Nick Haig wants more than one point. $5 million. I think we can comfortably say that at this point. Does he want $3 million? I don't know if he wants $3 million. I feel like if he did want $3 million and VGK were to, they would, they would have, um, I think they would just have bitten the bullet by now. Honestly, if that 3 million is the number that he wants, maybe he wants more. I, I don't think VGK is offering him like 1.5 or 1.75. I mean, I don't think they're coming in that low. Um, I'm sure he is a priority, and I do think that was a truthful statement. But same breath, I think that 
I just think Nick Hague's camp is trying to max out the credit card at this point. That's that's the side of the the dilemma that I'm on right now. I think VGK has probably come forth with a reasonable offer, just simply looking at the comps of the players on the Golden Knights roster. And maybe Nick Hague's camp is looking outside the Golden Knights roster and saying, well, this player got this, that player got this. We're somewhere between that. Maybe not even looking at Zach Whitecloud's contract. Okay, yeah, before we go to break, Caden Korzak, does he need more repetitions? Of course. Yeah, I mean, of course. You know, you're looking at basically uh, a rookie coming on and taking on that sixth defenseman role. Seems like he does have the inside track for it. I would not be surprised if he played both of these last two games and did so with a different uh, partner every night to actually give him more um, experience on the ice, if you will. It could be a make-or-break weekend here for a couple of rookies uh, with VGK at the very least. Coming up next, we attended last night the grand opening of the nighttime bar at the M Hotel and Casino, and it's the headquarters for the Henderson Silver Knights. We'll talk all about it. Chris had some amazing experiences, which we will recap after this. <laughs> you are listening and watching Locked On Golden Knights. BetOnline.net, it's your number one source for football betting information this entire season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on each and every game that you could find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport that's out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events including Major League Baseball, now down to the wire into the playoffs. MMA, boxing, golf, the NHL. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn much, much more. Bet online, where the game starts. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick from Las Vegas. We thank you all for making us your first listen each and every day. Our podcast is free and available wherever you get your podcast on this in the entire universe, I guess we could say. And don't forget as well to please subscribe to our Locked On VGK YouTube channel. So Chris and I had the opportunity. They actually let us get out for once um, and mingle with the hockey elite. So we went to the uh, Henderson Silver Knights, have a new pub. It's a uh, bar called the Nighttime Bar. It's located at the M Hotel and Casino. And we're giving a shout out because I ate one too many of their fried shrimp last night when they were trade passing. Uh, the one thing that I did not like, the only thing I didn't like was why in the world would you bring that town crier guy over to our table and you're doing an interview with this guy and it's the most corny thing I've ever seen. So let's, let's explain who or what this town crier is or what he, does he like read? the goal scoring like in medieval ways what does he do what does he actually do because i've seen some videos and i'm just telling you it's the corniest thing on the planet he's fun it's entertainment it's different it's vegas it's it's everything you said it is tony but that's why it's done and that's why you know kind of going that's why the vegas gold knights have the gold jerseys that's why everything is over the top because it is vegas and you know, on a serious note, I think the Silver Knights are also trying to differentiate their brand a little bit from the Vegas Golden Knights to 
make it a little more kid friendly. I mean, the kids obviously love Vegas Golden Knights and Henderson Silver Knights games, no doubt about that. But the Silver Knights games are a little more targeted to the youth. And that's why you do have the town crier out there rallying the crowd before the game and reading the goals in the fun way. It's the, you know, medieval comic relief, you know, from uh, what the old plays and stages. And I'm sure there's a better way to look at that. But, you know, it's it's fun, Tony. Just just have fun. Just smile. Enjoy it. It's it's a good time. They bring funny energy. The, the funniest thing in season one before there were fans at the Orleans Arena. This is actually the second Herald of Town Crier. There was a, a different Herald of Town Crier uh, for season one. But the town crier was doing their his thing in the first game in the first season without any fans even there. He would just be in a random point in the arena. They'd set up a microphone, a goal would get scored, and, and you know he announces the goal, and people laugh and smile, and it's it's fun, Tony. Just just have fun, just have fun. But you did an interview with yes, the town crier, absolutely, and you said that we are on daily, and you gave us a good shout out, and I hope that that video is you that will go viral. In a in a heartbeat, it, it'll, it'll come videos. up. It'll come up. Yeah. So so, you had a discussion about what daily means, and he goes, "Oh, seven days? No, five. And then you try to get me on camera. I'm no paparazzi. They pan the camera to me. I just give them the peace sign or whatever. Get out of my way. You know. So, <laughs> bah, what humbug. Was, what get off Tony's it, lawn. Get off what Tony's did, lawn. What did this? What did this interview entail? It was honestly the. Uh, So they set up the interview basically asking who I was and what I did. And, you know, we talked about the podcast. We gave a shout out and then we just kind of exchanged some pleasantries about that and smiled. And it was fun, Tony. It was fun. Okay, so so who was who was this uh, woman with the punchline? Oh, I'm old fashioned. So, lady, and, and this is all on our Twitter. I don't, I don't know if I put that one on, on the Locked On Twitter. I, I'll, I'll put that I up retweeted there so it. I know think, what we're talking about. I think about. I retweeted okay. it for you. So, I'm enjoying an old-fashioned in a bar because if, if I'm in a bar, I have to enjoy an old-fashioned. That's just kind of how the way it goes. And shout-out to the whoever the bartender was making them. They were... They were potent, but had the right amount of sweetness, and it was it was good. It was like rocket fuel in the beginning, and then it gets sweeter the more you drink. It, it was a good it was it was a good old fashioned. So I'm sitting there, and you know, Lady Elaine kind of comes by, and you know, hand on the shoulder. You know, I think she likes me a little bit, and hands on the shoulder, and says, "Hey, what are you drinking?" And I'd say, "Old fashioned." She looks me dead in the eye. I've been called old fashioned before. Exactly. No, that was good. No, I did post that. That was awesome. It's fun, Tony. Uh, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. This is the energy we, at the Silver Knights games. It's fun. No, and I, I get that part of it. Uh, we did see three Silver Knights. Um, we saw Zach Hayes, uh, Gage Quinney still had his head attached to his body. It's good. after that dirty hit the other night. And Brandon Pahal was there as well. So that was pretty cool. And they mixed and mingled and you had a little conversation, I guess, with uh, with Gage Quinney. <laughs> yeah, so I just kind of like an off the camera type thing, but nothing, you know, nothing bad or anything like that. Um, again, I think most of you know by now, my business is basically you can even see, folks. Here, here's my microphone stand. It's boxes of sports cards. See, that's literally what I use to prop this up right now because that's the closest thing nearby. And my job is I open packs of sports cards and I send people cards. That's the easiest way to explain what I do and what my, what my business is about. The players sign all these cards uh, for up from upper deck and they sign thousands and thousands of autographs. So I simply asked Gage Quinney, I said, hey, I know I've, I've opened a bunch of your bunch of packs. I pulled your autograph a bunch of times. Talk me through the process when 
you have to sign these cards. You have to go somewhere. You know, I, I was just, I was really curious. And what Gage said was that they, Upper Deck being they, sends him a box of, you know, two, three, four thousand cards. And whether they're either on card autographs or strips of tape and they put the tape on the cards, he has to go through and just sign his name thousands and thousands of times. And I asked Did him. Did he say how long it takes him? That, yeah, that, that's where that. I'm going with that. So he said it takes about two hours. It took him about two hours to sign his last batch of 3,000 cards. And pretty good. That's something you kind of get used to, I guess, as, as, an, as an athlete doing this. Um, and it's, it, I should have had a Gage Quinney. I got a bunch of his autographs somewhere sitting back here. I should pull one out in a second, but you know, it's, it's just interesting learning about that. And like, I've seen other videos of people like Vlad Guerrero through Panini of Vlad Guerrero Jr. That is like, there's literally a video of him signing cards. And these are cards that can be potentially be worth thousands of dollars. Cause you know, he's obviously a very, um, you know, elite baseball player and he's signing the cards. It's kind of like pitching them in a box and stuff. And I'm like, Oh my God, the, the condition of these cards, when they hit, when they land in the box, it's, you know, but yeah, it was it was interesting just kind of learning that that was the first time I was able to actually ask an athlete who I know has signed a bunch of cards about that. There's there's actually a video of Conor McGregor signing posters uh for one of his fights or something. And literally he's got one hand on the pen, he's wearing his suit, just doing the Conor McGregor thing and just a squiggle. And then someone grabs another poster, a squiggle, a squiggle. It was so interesting to to kind of see. So the, the, those little things fascinate me. Yeah, for sure. And you also caught up with Derek England, the former Vegas Golden Knight. That was a really cool interview. So I've run into him a bunch of times around the town and, you know, I've seen him out there actually coaching my kid unannounced at um, a couple of hockey practices over at Lifeguard. And I, I we started just a, a conversation like that and stuff. But the, the basis of my question for Derek was in 2017, you come out to Vegas, you got no idea what's going to happen with this team and where things are going to go. Fast forward now, five, six years later, we're sitting in a AHL themed bar. And, you know, you could tell Derek's, uh, his response was very pure. It took him back a little bit. Like, I didn't feel like he was simply giving me a canned interview by any means. He gave just a very good perspective about the growth and where things were from then to now. And I thought it was a very genuine interview. And you can definitely see that, Derek takes a lot of pride in, you know, being from Las Vegas and Las Vegas slash Henderson now, of course, being his home. And he still, you know, bleeds black and gold, I guess, or blue if we're going to use the the flag. But, you know, he's uh, as tried and true as they come for a, a, a local. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty cool. And yeah, it just occurred to me that's an AHL themed bar. And it's... you had coach had that Cody Glass uh, troll job last night. That was good. Yeah, so, and I, I got two things real fast before we cut away. So, I thought this was kind of funny. Um, They were, they had, they had the Rangers-Bruins game on. So, Tony, by request, Tony was able to get that on the TV as we were, you know, sitting Thank there you. doing our thing. And Why did Sturkin get scratched? I'm trying to figure that out. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> but um, the other interesting thing is they had the NHL Network on. The NHL Network has been doing... um a series about the Nashville Predators, you know, basically kind of following them around, kind of like the, the, what, what's the, the NFL version called where they, in the training camp, whatever, whatever it is. Hard knocks. There you go. Hard knocks. And Cody Glass, I, I knew a video had come out of him making the team and he was very emotional, but even kind of peeking up, they're really watching Cody Glass closely in this. So his, his personal brand, I guess, is going up, but I caught him the moment on, 
on camera, if you will, where Cody Glass is basically about to start bawling his eyes out because he made the roster. And then you got Derek England just kind of there mingling. It was just a very kind of strange, weird, full circle moment. And actually, Derek England, I, I talked to Derek England about that. I did mention, I showed him the picture, and he immediately said, you know, some nice things about Cody. He's a good kid and, you know, was happy and everything. And there was one more thing, uh, Tony. I don't know if you caught this. Um, so over the summer, the HSK team, the crier, um, Brian McCormick, the voice of the Silver Knights, are play-by-play. And a lot of the other people involved with the production of the team, they actually recreated the Anchorman fight scene from the end of the first Anchorman movie. Mm-hmm. And they basically gave a you know beat up on all the other mascots and stuff around. It was just, it was an amazing video. So funny, I yeah. actually asked Brian about that. He brought Ethan over, one of the production people from HSK. We actually did a, a short little interview about that sequence as well so i'll toss that up later today but a fun event all around and it's definitely got my uh you know my heart pumping a little bit faster for hsk as well as vgk hockey yeah and i think you were liking that bar a lot more after like 15 old fashioned two ever it was 12 two two two. peace peace (laughs) i did the peace sign (laughs) i did i should have said cheerio on on camera that would have been good coming up next we've got a preview of tonight's VGK Kings game. Don't go away. We'll return with more. Plus, Kelly McCrimmon's hot seat getting hotter. I'll explain after this on Locked On Golden Knights. <laughs> Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick from Las Vegas. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Don't ask for much around here. We don't like to put out the basket for donations and all of that. But okay, before I go into before I go into tonight's game, okay, Frank Saravelli, Doctor Saravelli, uh, from Daily Faceoff yesterday had his thirty-two bold predictions. And I don't know if you saw this or not. I have, but at num- coming in, checking in at number eighteen, Kelly McCrimmon, Kelly McCrimmon will be the first general manager fired this season. He cites poor salary cap management. And the fact that he dumped players like Pacioretty and Flurry for nothing. And this, and fans got mad at me for saying that I think he's on the hot seat. He could be on his way out, especially if they get off to a slow start. I want to hear your thoughts about Saravelli now putting this in his 32 bold predictions for this season. It's fair. It's a very fair statement that cannot be questioned. If things don't go well, I think the spotlights and the hot seat and everything in between will be on Kelly McCrimmon. Now, pump the brakes a little bit here. I do also believe that if Foley felt he wasn't doing an adequate job and did not buy into the plan, whatever the plan is, if Foley did not buy into the plan, I do think Foley would have made a move already. I guess Foley has kind of already put McCrimmon on warning by coming out and saying he's going to be more involved. He did mention he wasn't happy with uh, the flurry situation. He wasn't even happy about Nate Schmidt being traded away uh, back between seasons two and three either. So, you know, but Foley, I think, is also playing the fan role a little bit in all of this, too. I think he's getting an emotional connection to the players and the product out there, and he sees the connection that the players and the fans have. So, you know, you watch the face of the franchise, Marc-Andre Fleury, leave for, you know, nothing. It, it stings. I get it. Um, Pacioretty, yes, Pacioretty left for nothing. 
Now, let's go a bit deeper. The trade was Pacioretty for Riley Smith and Phil Kessel, and now Aiden Hill at this point. We'll see how that plays out. So, yes, on paper, future considerations. The future considerations were not from the Hurricanes. It was within our organization. And, you know, you can also argue the same thing happened with Flurry and the ability to move some pieces around between seasons four and five. So, Yes, McCrimmon, no doubt the seat is getting hotter. And if things don't go well, I think all attention will be on him. I don't think he gets fired this season. I do think McCrimmon will be around for a while longer because, again, I did put out there, I think McCrimmon has done a good job with this roster. Just looking at the success, I mean, this is an argument we're going to have, I know. But looking at the success of seasons one through four, looking at the results of season five and why that happened, I will not say McCrimmon's doing a bad job. Now, if it all blows up in season six and season seven, we know is going to be bad going into it. Now we can maybe go back and look at how, at what got us to that position. But again, we were a Stanley cup contender for four seasons. We were a Stanley cup contender on paper for the fifth season. Injuries hurt that a little bit. Season six, you know, if Logan Thompson does what we all hope he can do, this team is a Stanley cup contender. Okay, so we know that Kelly McCrimmon has hitched his wagon, so to speak, to Jack Eichel. And we've yes, said this before. No doubt. That if Eichel goes bust, he has a bust already, you know, the statue. How but if McCrimmon he does go, have a bust? <laughs> they couldn't get the eyebrows down. They, Ooh, yeah. So bad. So I, that was pretty bad. Right. Yeah. and then, But in any event, you know, the one thing that I have ascertained about the way that Bill Foley does business he will get his minions to get something out there buzzing. He does a great job to get his cronies to start creating something. He likes to sit back and get fan reaction if he puts something out there. So we'll make sure that, okay, let's kind of get this out there. Hits up a few people. Hey, why don't you put this out on social media? We're thinking of going all gold jerseys for our, our home jerseys next season. And then, okay, just wants to gauge what the fans are thinking. And I'm telling you, so calculating behind the scenes. That's, that, and I, I think believe, that's a compliment, though, right? Is that yeah, a compliment? It, okay. No, no, no. He's just okay. calculating in the right. way he does business, neither good nor bad. You know, okay, fair. I'm just saying that he's very calculating in how he tries to gauge what the fans are thinking, what the media is thinking, and all of that. And I don't think that Sarah Valley would have put that out there and we can go back to this later on. I don't think he puts this out there unless someone put that plant into the mind of Sarah Valley. I'm just going to say that, and I don't know who it might be, but I'm just saying that they like to gauge what the public's thinking, what they're saying. Can they live without McCrimmon? Is McCrimmon doing a good job? And I'm telling you, they gauge things based on the public opinion. I get what you're saying. Um, I, I think that's a little far-fetched, but... You know, the way things are nowadays, Come Tony, back to it as someday. far as... We'll see it. We'll see it happening. Okay. Right. No, no, that's the thing, yeah. Tony. Like, I'm also not completely disagreeing either because it is a new world with the power of social media. I mean, again, I jokingly go back to this, but when, when Logan Thompson is taking time out of his day to find the, our podcast, and I'm not selling ourselves short. I think we, you know, try and do a good job bringing this, bringing you almost daily content, folks, but... You know, when Logan Thompson, you know, somehow finds us who is not very active on Twitter to take a point to respond and say, I'm not going anywhere. At least I don't think I am. You know, that does that that just is a small scrape at 
the social media influence that happens from, you know, podcasts like what me and Tony bring you to, you know, what the NHL network does and the review journal and every other news agency out there and how at times we are all pawns, you know, me and Tony are pawns, call it what you will at times, are pawns for, you know, getting messages out to the American public who's taking time out of their day generously to give us, whether it's four or five, 10 minutes, whether you watch the whole show, it's greatly appreciated. And, you know, but I think we all have to understand our place in how this, the sports universe works, I think is what I'm trying to say, Tony. And in the minds of the British public too, because I'm part of that. There's your- oh, there it is. There's the picture. There's the picture. Money shots. Save that. I had to dust off that suit, Tony. I haven't worn I haven't worn a suit, and I can't tell you how long. I'm just glad it mostly like, fits. I'm like, yeah, let's I got let's wear a suit there. there, and then I show up with a sports coat. You just so, no, you told me just to wear a, wear a, wear a, wear a nice shirt, and I okay. I took it up a notch. I I I had to upstage you. You know, you did. VGK meets the Kings tonight for the second time in this preseason. Uh, VGK lost to LA at the Fortress over a week ago, two to one, and the goal for the Golden Knights was that. Uh, Illegal screen by Phil Kessel, uh, the pass, uh, <laughs> nice stretch pass to uh, Jack Eichel. And Adrian Kempe scored the game winner. And we played 14 rounds of shootout hockey, which was ridiculous, and overtime hockey, whatever. In any event, uh, again, it's a period of evaluation for the Vegas Golden Knights. They're going to continue to do that. And uh, I'm just curious to see uh, who's in that tonight and how they play that out. You know, I said the other day, I think Logan Thompson probably goes tonight just because of all the roughhousing antics of Arizona. You don't want him to get hurt at all. Um, and VGK's defense needs to be shored up because uh, I think it was over, what was it, 50 saves for Aiden Hill the yeah, other f- night? F- 50 and 53. 53 shots on that. Yeah, that's got to change fast. I mean, I don't know, Tony, we've seen the opposite side of that. How many times have we had, you know, 35, 40, 45, 50 shots and, and we lose four to, four to one and it doesn't feel like we had a lot of quality shots. So, uh, you know, the shots on goal, I take with a grain of salt for or against. But as far as this game goes, this might end up being the final kind of dress rehearsal where we see more veterans in the lineup. Um, I'm with you on the Arizona game on Saturday. I don't think you need to put a whole lot. Out there, I think um, this is the timing game, if you will, for our, you know, our projected kind of top 12 forwards and our kind of projected ish uh, six defensemen. Um, You know, do you see a lot of kids coming out there for this one? You probably will. He might split the lines up like you might have two lines for this game two lines for Saturday's game. You could, I could see that happening as well. I think this is Thompson's last appearance in net tonight. I am with you on that. I think I said maybe they'd go the other route, but I think this is Thompson's last appearance in net tonight. And then you give Aiden Hill the night on or the net on Saturday and uh, off we go. I do like uh, the positivity of Aiden Hill because in all the interviews, he still very much seems to be upbeat. Um, he said that Sean Burke made some adjustments, you know, in the game against Arizona uh, for him to to actually have a pretty good game. Uh, he showed some improvement there, right? Uh, he did say that a lot of shots came from outside. And I just like, you know, his honesty. And I also like, you know, that he is upbeat. And uh, that BBC interview, they put out the audio, not the video. Thank goodness. Okay. No, I think the video aired the other night in, in England. Uh, but, you know, I think uh, Kelly McCrimmon 
has a future career probably as a GM for the soccer team. I think uh, that would fit in quite nice. Would his so contract a, go over if he fired? Whatever. I'm not. I'm not taking a two way contract. Two way. So, two way contract. <laughs> so so uh, so tomorrow is our what the Friday, and we've got plenty of WTF. You already did it. You already did. You already did it today, Tony. You're done. <laughs> I know I should have just dropped the mic and left, right? That would have been it. We could have recorded this as our last segment, but uh, definitely chime in at lockdown VGK. Your comments, uh, they've just been terrific, good and bad. Anything that caught your attention about the Vegas Golden Knights this past week, please chime in. It's our what the Friday edition coming up tomorrow. Plus of course, we'll be recapping uh, the game between the VGK and the Kings tonight in Salt Lake city. Um, oh, before we get out of here, someone did ask, what other city would you like to see VGK uh, play an exhibition game in? And so what they're doing, because Salt Lake and Boise are some strategic markets when it comes to the AT&T Sportsnet in that mountain region, I think that's why they're playing games in those city, uh, those two cities. And in Boise, it'll be the first time they've had an NHL exhibition game in 25 years. I think the game sold out in a couple of minutes, which is pretty cool. But Are there any other cities you could think of? Why not play a a game at Foley's Montana Ranch? So I I was actually wondering about that, but where does, um, where, what the North Dakota uh, college team maybe go over there? Because obviously that is a very solid program. And I think that might fall pretty close to the AT&T world. I I don't know. I know it kind of goes up there. I don't know if it goes all the way, but just on the spot, that was the first. I, I was actually thinking about like other cities outside of this area. I really couldn't come up with one very quickly, but you what know, about I think maybe, Reno? What about Reno? Yeah, I mean, that I makes, know they play the game in Tahoe, but what about Reno? Yeah, maybe. Is there a, a team up there right now? No, is there they could probably arena? put ice in into the Lawler Arena, into their arena. Yeah, I, I got you. I mean, yeah, that would be. Uh, to, they might have used it. Good. I think they might have had a team there one time. Something. But yeah, so that's a good one. We can maybe discuss that. Yeah, I love Reno. Put me on spot. I love Reno. I love the Calneva, getting the grilled cheese at the grill. Life is good up there. I love it. All right, man. I go there almost every year to bowl a national bowling tournament. I love Reno. I'm not making fun of it. I like Reno. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in to our show today and uh, here and abroad on the BBC or wherever you get your podcast or wherever you get your information. And now make your second listen, Chris, uh, Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. Chris, it was fun hanging out last night. Look forward to seeing you again tomorrow right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco for Chris Golick. So long for now. What the Friday? That's tomorrow right here on Locked On Golden Knights.